All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing. But I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Afrotech World 2020. Maurice Harris is the founder and CEO at Bloom and Plume, a bespoke floral design studio. And he's in the Afrotech metaverse talking about a non techies guide to storytelling using social media in order to build an audience and grow a business in today's climate. When I went to college, I really was into the nuts and bolts of how things work as opposed to like the tech of how things work. However, since having a business, I understand that a mass way to communicate to customers and a, a, a great way to communicate with people, period, is through social media, through our phones. And I found that Instagram was one of the major ways that I was able to communicate to other people. And to like take something that is so three-dimensional and so um, hands-on that tra and three-dimensional and the way it translates on camera, it really flattens out. And so I wanted to figure out a way to still share what I do and what I'm experiencing when I see it in person through photography and through that digital platform. I love how visual Instagram is. I think it's so cool. And so I wanted to contribute to that. And so I used that as my portfolio. I am not a tech savvy person. However, I understand its importance and how it's the way that one can have a viable business. So that's been a really, really great active way to have a portfolio and to like start to create your own messaging. So that's something that I use constantly to communicate ideas, what we're up to, what we're into. And I think that has drawn a, uh, an audience 
that is interested in what we do. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Your Lisa Jean Charles is the founder and CEO at Healthy Roots Dolls, which makes toys that represent more diverse backgrounds. A Detroit native, her dolls teach natural hair care to young girls of color through toys. One of the things we talk about often in tech is the need for representation in order to inspire other black youth to leverage tech for generational wealth. I ask you, Lisa, why it's so important for representation with something so simple as toys. Yeah, when I was uh, studying illustration at the Rhode Island School of Design, I didn't really have an interest in toys. Haven't really had an interest in toys since I was like four. But I did have an interest in social impact and the work that artists do and the way it can influence culture and conversation. And so for me, that meant researching and learning that toys actually have a huge influence on how kids think, act, and see themselves. And so when children can't find products that look like them, it can have a negative impact on their self-esteem. I uh, also learned a little bit about the Brown versus Board of Education trial and the Mammy Clark doll test and what role that played in children's self-perception and asking children, how do you feel about this white doll versus this black doll and having white children overwhelmingly ascribe negative attributes to the black doll, but also having black children do the same thing. And so we see how at a young age, people, children can be socialized to have these biases and then thinking about, well, what can we do and what can we create to counteract that far too often, you know, cause I have daughters far too often, you know, parents will say, you know, well, they'll feel, you know, well, it's just a doll, you know, because we don't really see the impacts like present day. It may play out over a lifetime. When you were doing that research, like how, how did you recognize that, you know, creating the change for young girls and boys today, um, Actually, in your marketing strategy, how do you communicate that this actually has an impact and it's important to be resolved today versus waiting till they're older, you know, to try to fix, you know, the, the perceptions that they have about communities that, that they're a part of? Actually, I don't think we really include that in our marketing because people, our goal is never to convince people that this product is important. It's to present it to people that understand or that are looking for it. You can't force people or force feed them the understanding that this is our reality. Like children are influenced by these things. Race is real, prayer is real. You can only present them with opportunities to purchase products that might counteract that without them knowing. So we don't really put that in our marketing. Our marketing is mainly just, look at this really great toy. Kids love her. Here's what she teaches them to do. And then you know what, under the surface of that, this is the potential long-term impact that you might see. You know, I, I love that response because it plays into so many different verticals. I was having a conversation um, and I wasn't I didn't prepare this, but you made me think about a conversation I had with Dr. Key Harmon, who runs um, the the market in Atlanta. And I was talking to her about how I don't particularly subscribe to, you know, support our businesses. I feel like I want to create value. And if you see value, then like we don't support Walmart, we don't support Target. Like we go shop there because they have the things that we need. And so I wonder what your perspective is on because you just talked about you don't you, you don't try to sell a narrative. You're trying to create something. Hopefully people see value. 
what do you say to that perspective? Because I'm very interested in this. I don't I never want to just go around and say, hey, come buy my thing because I need your support. No, I think it makes 100 percent sense. I always believe that you have a company if you if people are buying your product and if you're not buying your product, you don't have a company <laughs> and there's nothing you can say or do to make people sh buy something if they don't want to buy it. They're not going to people aren't going to buy something just because you're black, just because you're a woman. They're going to buy it because you are those things and they value that and they also love your product. And so I believe in letting the product speak for itself. And if you also think that the story behind the person who built it is great awesome but that's not what's gonna make you i'm that's not what my goal is to make you buy this product my goal is for people who identify with the value to purchase it so let's go a step further there you know because you're not trying to sell people who you know may not you know prescribe to that idea but there's also hundreds of other dolls you know that may be of color what separates healthy roots dolls apart from the pack when you're not trying to necessarily sell a narrative it's a healthy roots doll the other hey. dolls aren't healthy roots dolls. <laughs> <laughs> Dig that. I think it's interesting because people are like, oh, well, how are you different? Or so-and-so could do could do this. It was like, they could, but they're not. And they can't. Yeah. That's our product. But the other thing is, I don't necessarily see it as competition because there's no child that only has one doll. Mm. We just created another option for you. And if you add Zoe to that club of toys, awesome. We often see products that target, you know, black consumers whether it be black children, black adults or whatever. And they are often too often. I think they are lame attempts likely designed with the idea that we're monolithic, you know, sometimes designed with stereotypes. Um, so thinking about toys, we don't, or before healthy roots, like we haven't had many that reflected shade. Well, um, dolls that were very dark dolls that were very light. Like how do you find, you know, dolls that represent the spectrum, you know, of black people. Why do companies still to this day, have such a hard time with this i don't know if that's true because i see so many different toys that i even now am collecting if i see something on the shelf like i'm grabbing it like i just saw encantos from disney they released those dolls raya the last dragon they released dolls for those characters so i think it's more so it's not that they don't exist it's that people can't find them the oh, distribution that may be true for me okay then that, that, that's probably my case but no, that's another thing. Why are these products not widely distributed? Why are people not aware of the products that exist out there? Why do they have to have an ad be shown to them first before they know it exists? Why is it not on every Walmart shelf? Why is it not in every store? Why is it not equally as distributed as the non-carriers of color? So let's talk about distribution. You know, it's because we're moving into a world because I, I wanted to talk to you about how, how about getting on a store shelf. And I wonder if you think do we still need to be on store shelves or is direct to consumer a valid distribution channel for startup toy makers? I think D2C is a great channel, but it's also marketing. So if you're not able to market a product and build an audience and know how to speak to that audience and utilize all the tools in order to get your ads in front of the right people, build your email marketing funnel, build the right website, you're not going to succeed in that space it's very challenging you have to have all the right tools all the right approaches 
but it's great when you get it right. It's the way so many brands have been able to launch themselves and then establish with retailers. It's how a lot of, you know, underestimated founders get their products into the market in the first place, but they also have the tools and resources to do so, or they had to figure it out. So I totally believe in direct to consumer channel. I love it. It's great. It's a marketing effort for sure, but it's not the only way. It's a great way to start. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. And I was just um, took my kids to watch Encanto and, and I get why they want those toys because they were just on the big screen, you know, these sorts of things. How do you if you were building 
healthy roots over today in the world of Snapchat, in the world of TikTok, in the world of Roblox. You know, I, I, I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago that I believe Roblox is like the LinkedIn for kids. Like that's how they go and they meet people and they see what they did because they got this backpack full of these virtual toys in their metaverse. So how do you build demand for toys when we are so used to, at least in the, the day I grew up, if it was on TV, that's what I wanted. And it's not maybe so much the case of that anymore. Is that correct? From my, well, I know from my experience that it's grown organically. So it's a lot of storytelling. It's a lot of organic marketing, you know, sharing your story, doing the podcast, going to the events, creating your content and sharing it online with an audience. And then people organically just deciding to say, hey, I found this thing. You should totally check this out for your kid. And then, you know, earned media. But that that's a slow build. And I think that's something that people forget when they can look at a company like Healthy Roots and be like, oh, wow, this happened so quickly. It's like, no. I started in class in 2014, and that was like five years of developing the first product, getting building a lot of organic relationships that have helped us help to make it a bit easier to get those those big published gigs, getting into you know being nominated for Toy of the Year last year and things like that. And so I say that I I think it's really valuable to focus on organic. So organically having kids find your product and clicking with it because you sent it out to a bunch of influencers and they all did YouTube reviews and now all the kids know about it and things like that. They're telling their friends. It's incredibly valuable. Do you think there's a day where you might, you know, have the dolls as characters on TikTok? I think that's such a cool concept. Um, I think that also costs a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love that. Hey, just that's it. You know, if I could, if I could do everything, I would do everything. No, but I, I feel but like, everything costs money. No, for sure. Like it's so because so many of our people, and I want to talk about you know how you funded this in a little bit, but so much, so many of our people have these remarkable things. Um, but you know, having the fuel in the tank is can be an issue, and so you, you just talked about the the idea that this wasn't this was not fast for you. But how do you know? Let's say you're the toy maker, you're a kid's book publisher, and you're doing this out of your kitchen or your garage, and it's year three, and you went from selling 20 to 200. Like, that's not like a huge amount of growth over a period of time. Not at least not in the world that we talk about of scale. But how do you know that it's worth it to keep going? What are the indicators you're looking for? I mean, those indicators are metrics that you define for yourself. So if you told yourself in a year that you're going to hit these sales goals and these are, these are the strategies you're going to implement to hit those goals and then you don't, you got to decide, do I keep going or do I try something else and see how that impacts my goals for the next year? So you set your own pace. You set your own factors that determine success. And if you don't hit those factors, then I guess that's how you make your decisions whether or not to keep going. Yeah. I was talking to a fashion designer a few episodes ago about getting celebrity backing, like somebody to an influencer to, to wear your stuff and how much of an impact that is required in order to build a, a label that, you know, people want and desire. And I wonder, because you mentioned this, getting influencers, you know, getting it in their hands and getting them to talk about it um, could be an important, you know, road, an avenue for, you know, you to build demand for your thing. Can you talk about some strategies that may have worked for you or that you've seen work with regard to toys and dolls and novelties to being able to get people to pay attention to talk about your thing on their channels? Yeah, I think one of the brands that 
has the money to do this. Um, LOL surprise is this major. I mean, you already know your kids already have them, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, they already do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But LOL surprise has taken how our attention has changed and also recognizing how short children's attention is on products by creating these little just like scarce, like scarcity moments with these different little products. And it literally is the way that kids brains work. It's that like hit of mm-hmm. like opening something, getting all these little different things and then like being able to go buy another one. And they're not expensive. They're not expensive. They're fairly priced for all these little pieces. And it's like, wow. And, the, and it creates collectibles for, you know, the, the older demographic of people who participate in doll collection and things like that. And they trade these things. And they also use celebrities like Cardi B who have kids. They might not be always family-friendly characters, but they have children who love these things and throw birthday parties for them. So it's like the scarcity combined with the visibility combined with the fun play pattern. It's a hit. I have not. My brain has not moved past where you talk, where we talked about the animation and having like the, the TikTok, you know, virtual star of a healthy roots doll because I, I think about barbie and in all the verticals barbie has moved into whether it be you know barbie comic books and there's barbie posters and there's barbie stickers that you can in all of these different things what what are low-hanging fruit verticals that healthy roots could go into should just the right partner come along oh i guess I'm, I guess my question is probably more so of like, what is, if you were to grow 1.5 times your growth today, what are the key things that would need to happen for your target audience? What I would imagine, and you can correct me, is like an eight to 15 year old. Younger. Eight to 15 year old is my target audience. I'm asking. Right now? I'm asking. No. <laughs> what's, your, what's your target? No, it's like six to 11. Six to 11. I was too it's far off. I wasn't too far off. I don't see no 15-year-olds walking around. If you see a 15-year-old with one of my dolls with a matching app, please take a picture from me. That is a No, because I think, I love it. because I, I see healthy, because representation has not been there, I think there's an opportunity here. Now, we, we off on a whole different thing. Like, I'm, I, I feel like there's a bigger market play for you versus, like, other dolls because we haven't had that representation with young girls who see themselves physically animated. You know, and that no, girl, it's totally real. that girl probably missed seeing because we talked about distribution. I go down the, the, the uh, aisles of Target again. I talked about I don't see a bunch of shades. And so maybe I'm in the wrong Target and that's probably valid. You know what I see potentially and I'm in my, my oldest is 11. So we'll figure this out in four years if she still wants you know <laughs> representation. But I do see like for girls who did grow up at you know five six seven didn't see themselves in those dolls perhaps maybe they're not playing with them but perhaps they are the collectors of these things perhaps because that's where the age oh we totally have collectors it's a thing we lots of people like i didn't have this i bought one for my grandbaby but then i also bought one for me yeah but you don't love it so you don't see like there's any 15 year olds who are like an avenue into that demographic i think that Um, could be maybe if we got Maybe if we got Zoe some like lashes and there we like, go. We just brows. started. Let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we could die. We just made this happen. Get the acrylics. It all happened on Black Tech Green Money. Come on, see, we about to get some lashes for these dolls because it's happening because they represent what's like. You get some of them furry slippers, put it on that that doll. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Get her a little Telfar. Let's go. I'm yeah. talking about it. 
<laughs> dig it. Glam. Glam. Oh, uh, many of the places where you've raised money, like they don't like fund like CPG. I don't know if this is CPG or not, like or toys. Like they're tech investors. You know, many of the places where you where you've gotten money. What from your seat, being the person who pitched and and won these competitions, won these investments, what was it that got them to buy in and say, yo, Yulisa's got something. I know we are doing tech over here and coders and engineers, but this, because I've heard so many people who do packaged goods, and I'm not sure if this falls in that category. I don't know if this is a CPG play. You can correct me. But I talked to people like Tristan Walker, who actually does CPG, and he's like, those investors who he was friends with were like, is the market that big? You know, when you talk about the black consumer, how do you get those investors to buy into this? It's me and my pink sweaters. Um, no. Uh, so I am always very strategic in terms of the spaces I go into and the conversations I have with people because um, in 2016, 2017, it was very hard for me. When I was, you know, college student, freshly, freshly graduated, didn't come from an entrepreneur background. I was an art student. I studied illustration, even though I had done an accelerator program but people didn't see the necessary requirements in order to believe in me as a founder just yet. Um, And so I learned that the most valuable thing that I have is my time. And so I would always tell founders, you know, stop chasing money and go find people that actually want to fund you. And so you can't go to the competitions where they're focused on tech and SaaS and fintech because, you know, if you're competing with a person that's trying to cure cancer and you're making dolls, they're not particularly interested in that. So I actually only participated in programs and pitch competitions where they were either trying to support female founders, founders of color, or invest in physical product companies. So one of the first competitions I did was the Startup Stampede in Durham, North Carolina, which is actually specifically for e-commerce companies, which is where I learned how to make Facebook ads. And that's how I successfully um, had really strong sales seasons in 2019 and 2020. So I learned how to build dynamic audiences online. Uh, I then went on to win the first New Voices pitch competition at Essence Fest, which is where a lot of black women are. And that fund is specifically for black women. I then did another accelerator program. Then I won um, the Wendy Lee um, Main Street Venture Grant, which is from Cincinnati, which is in the city that I lived in. And they were supporting female founders. So all my money technically came from these places. Like even the Quicken Loans Detroit demo day where we took home $125,000. That was for companies that were in the city of Detroit um, that were starting. Like I, my phase was start. Like I was a new company. I told a compelling story. And I also had the support of the community after being there for some time. And the people voted for me. So... Um, the short answer is that I tell a compelling story, I have a great product, and people believe in the work that I'm doing. I also curate the things that I compete in. Um, but that took a lot of time. Yeah. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements. 
along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of black founders find, or I guess a lot of founders in general find that they need to be part of that story, part of the story. How do you have to, as an entrepreneur, be the thing to the consumer that sells it, or can you lead with the product? I think what I'm when you say that, all I can think about is authenticity, which oftentimes means that you have to be a part of the story. So I started this company. It's relatively young. I'm young. I created this because of a compelling reason. I am I am the company. I'm part of the company's story. And that's for people being able to see the person who started it, who's constantly working on it and seeing where we started versus where we are now. That matters because it's very it, it's relatable and it may not be relatable in the sense that everybody's starting a company. But it's like, wow, I've always wanted to achieve great things. and I'm seeing this person who actually did all this work to do it. That's really inspiring. I applaud that. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you answered that way because it. it makes me it leads me into what I thought you were going to go in the direction of and as is it then a marketable asset then if the company if Yalitza is tied to it like could I'm making this up like could a Hasbro say yo we want Healthy Roots dolls but without Yalitza if there is no Healthy Roots dolls that makes sense I hear what you're saying uh, there are definitely identities that are tied to brands like Oprah is the Oprah brand. Um, but I don't know. Maybe one day Zoe can be the face of Healthy Roots Dolls. Yeah, I just, I just wonder if I just wonder if you think about that. Because I, I wonder, I get the question about how integrated should the individual story be with the brand. And I, and I hear a wide variety of responses to that. Some people don't want to be the face at all. They want to lead with the thing. And um I was just curious on your take on that. So I appreciate that. I don't consider myself the face of my company. I consider myself the face of my own experience and 
and story building the company. And sometimes we share that through the company as well. When, when you think and I get to talk about the product. Day that. Um, when you think ultimately about exiting, if, if you ever think about exiting this company, and you, I'll let you speak on that if you do, do you think about, do you encourage people to think about exiting at all? And do you believe that there will, or, or do you believe that there will one day be a new Hasbro, like Healthy Roots dolls could be the one, you know, sucking up other opportunities instead of being the one that is acquired? I always encourage people to think about their long-term plans. That's what I'm always telling people when it comes to, you know, even early on in this conversation where you mentioned, uh, how do you know when to quit or how do you know when to keep going? Like you have to create long-term plans with milestones and then check in with yourself on those milestones and determine, is this progressing? Is this not progressing? Do I need to pivot? So if you're starting a company, you need to think about down the road, what you ultimately want to happen, whether that's, I want to sell this company for this much money, or I want to partner, like merge, whatever that might be. And that'll help drive the rest of the decisions you make along the way. I think it's incredibly important to keep that as a part of your story. If that's the journey you want to take. Pre COVID, we had a lot of conversations in particularly in tech about, you know, where you're located geographically, depending on what you're building. So if you were building FinTech, you needed to be in New York. If you were building, you know, a, a consumer thing, a social network, you needed to be in the Valley or, you know, media, you needed to be in LA. A lot of that's changed um, with COVID and you're Detroit, you know, Midwest, like I, like I am Toledo. I wonder what are, from your perspective, what are the advantages of being where you are? And do you see, could your success have grown better or faster or worse had you not been in Detroit building? Um, I definitely think that some of my advantages are the cheap flights to everywhere else. And um, I think I've always just been a big fish in a little pond from where I went from from elementary school to middle school to high school, from the college that I went to, from the cities that I've lived in. I've always had I've always been one of the few people who has like big goals, big visions and is untethered. So. I don't think where I'm based can stop me from doing anything because I'm going to go where I need to go to do what I need to do. So you don't think being presently there matters? I think it can if for it depends on who you are. Like if you don't have the access to the capital you need to go from place to place to place and, you know, spend a month here, spend a, two weeks here, it's going to be way harder. But if you can do that, do it. I uh, would travel from I spent four months in Durham, North Carolina. I literally just packed up my stuff, went down there, stayed there for four months. I've done that for Detroit, where I went from Ohio to Michigan for four months and then ultimately decided to relocate here. But I would I spent a whole year basically on planes, just going places. But I think it's nice to have a home base where you have a core network where there's a growing ecosystem of people doing similar work, you know, in startup and directing to marketers so that you can like mesh with them i think that's something i definitely gained from my art school experience which is like being in the in the critique world of like putting your artwork on the wall getting feedback yeah. from people so making sure you have a circle so you can do that but i don't feel limited i personally in my experience have never felt limited based on where i live because i'm gonna go where i need to be although i do understand how where you live can impact that you just have to find your workarounds and so for me my workarounds were just packing it up and going and asking for introductions 
Take it. In, in the few minutes I have left with you, I do want to talk about getting on a store shelf. And can you talk about like what retailers want to see? Like, how do you even get on their radar to where they're having a real conversation with you? Um, well, I think my particular strategy is name dropping. So I will name drop retailers and articles. I had a Forbes interview. Where I was like, it'd be great to be in Target one day. Um, and then a buyer reached out and we were able to have a conversation about that. But I think the best way to get on retail shelves is to do five years worth of work, build strong sales through your online store. And build a bunch of relationships along the way where that's not your first touch point with that retailer. So when you go, they have records they can look at or what are, what are they looking for? I, I can't. So I can't even say that I, I can't even tell someone how you would go about getting into retail because my journey is so unique in itself. And it's like, oh, yeah, just do what I did. It's like I can't really tell you to do what I did because I don't really know what I did. I just did this work <laughs> and I purposefully went about like, oh, yeah, I know I want to be in Target. Let me work on building this channel so there are definitely lots of opportunities to meet buyers and get your products in front of people um you can look up those opportunities i know i am in a bunch of toy different toy groups and organizations like women in toys and the toy association that specifically creates opportunities for vendors for members to pitch their products um even the new voices fund which is a way that people can pitch for um in competitions for capital they have a, a, a segment of that organization that helps introduce people to potential to target for potential retail opportunities so but none of that matters if you don't have a compelling product and an already established brand because you have to be able to market it i'm sure because it has to happen when you're out let's say you go to a show and you're walking down the aisle because you just left your booth for 15 minutes or whatever you're just out looking at other people talking to other founders who have products and you see indicators that make you interested on if this person is ever going to get on the shelf because of something. What is typically a reason why somebody who might have a decent product, what is a flag that says, you know what, this probably, this person is probably not going to make it to a shelf. I can tell. Um, I'm not, that's more of a question for a buyer, but what I can say are some of the things that a buyer is going to need. And so they need to, you need to be able to scale. So Define if a that. buyer says they want to, so if a buyer says they need 10,000 units in six months, you need to be able to produce 10,000 units in six months. And sometimes that means you need to finance that inventory. And if you don't have financing options, you're not gonna be able to get that inventory to them. So you're not gonna get put on the shelf. You also have to have the right margins. So retailers expect specific margins on products. And if you haven't priced your product correctly or your cost of production is too high, you're not gonna be able to give them those margins in order to make it worth the opportunity. And then often, and then sometimes you will have to purchase marketing assets. So those ads that you see, those um, inserts in, you know, print materials for the store where brands are featured, sometimes brands have to pay for that in order to market and sell the product. So the marketing doesn't just stop on your own social. You also have to market your retailers. So it's going to be about financing, bandwidth, um, and can keep up. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Marissa Lewis. 
Special thank you to Micah Davis, Adam Sims, and Sakara Savanyan. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. In the video version of this episode, we'll drop the Black Tech Green Money on YouTube, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. 
AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.